bless you this morning. Why don't you play In Christ Alone? There's a very special welcome we need to make this morning. A testimony as well. Please welcome Brother EBA's wife, Jane, and son, Ezra, who arrived in Vancouver on Wednesday. And upon arrival, they were given permanent resident status in Canada. Why don't you stand so we can greet you? God bless you. 
God bless you, Brother EBA. I'm sure you're one happy man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He has done great things. Amen, Sister Jane. Good to have you with us. God bless you. Amen. Why don't we sing this together? In Christ alone, my hope is found. Oh, what a hope. Amen. To hope in a living God. Let's sing this now. In Christ alone, my hope is found. For He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid
power of Christ. I will stand. You believe that this morning, this morning, there's no power of hell. There's no scheme of man that can take you out of the Father's hands. Hallelujah. Maybe the rest of us can just stand. Let's sing, we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Oh, yes, we fall down, we lay our crowns at sing very often I'd just like to sing maybe a couple of verses of I Need Thee Every Hour number 686 I Need Thee Every Most Gracious there we go Oh I need Thee Every Hour Most Gracious Lord Most Yeah. Uh-huh. 
this morning just in need of a healing touch just asking the Lord would touch him and that he might be stronger and in better health maybe that's for my brother Luis maybe brother Luis I could just ask that you would come please and open the service for us in a word of prayer that's the only written prayer requests that we have but we know there are many we've remembered over the weeks and months and even years if there's a request on your heart and we know the Lord sees every heart and every uplifted hand brother Luis would you come please Precious Heavenly Father, we just want to say this morning that we love you with all our heart, Lord. So touch us, because you touch our lives, and you put the desire in our hearts to serve you, Lord. We wish you to serve you better every day, Lord. And your word is changing us and transforming us, Father, in what you want from us, Lord. Thank you for this day that you gave us to be gathered here in your house, Lord, and to be willing to receive your word, to receive what you want from us, Lord. You know our hearts, Father. We want to serve you with all our desire, Lord. We want to please you with our lives and to be obedient to your word, to be in your perfect will always, Lord. There's many needs here this morning, Lord. We are praying for Brother Ron Calvo, Lord, that you touch him, you strengthen him, Lord. Thank you for his life, the testimony, Lord, that always spoke to us, Lord, his family. We just pray that you hold him, Lord, make, them, make him stronger, Lord, and take care of his health, Lord. We pray that you give him a special touch, Lord. Anybody here, Lord, who needs you, Lord, health-wise, spiritual-wise, Lord, we all need you, Lord. Like we just sang this morning, we need you every second of the day, Lord. Help us, Father, to go through these difficult times. But with you, Lord, all is possible, Father. And with faith, with love, with expectation, Father, we expect you to be near and near to us and preparing us for that time that we all expect in the rapture lord that's what we hear this morning because we love you lord and we want to be ready for the rapture lord just help us father and guide us in the path of righteousness lord and knowing the man of god who is going to come this morning here lord to speak to us lord speak through his lips lord put the man aside and open our hearts to receive your word, Lord. Thank you for everybody who is here this morning, Lord. We just pray for the ones who they could not come this morning here also, that you will bless them too. 
In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, we thank you always with our hearts. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. We take up the morning offering. We do have several announcements that we want to make, but first of all, we just want to extend a warm greeting to everyone here this morning, all those who might be gathered with us by way of the internet. I say God bless you. I know we have several visitors and others coming home. Brother Josh, Sister Leah, nice to have you here with us. God bless you. Anyone else who's here this morning, we just trust you'll feel welcome in the service. And we do have a very special announcement from the Gertzen family. Our brother Phil and sister Katie Gertzen are pleased to announce the arrival of their new baby boy, Christopher Michael Gertzen, born April 25th at 8 pounds and 1 ounce. Mom and baby are doing fine. Thank you all much for your love and support, the kind words, gifts, meals, visits, and prayers. God bless you. And God bless you, brother Phil, sister Katie. You know, when the Bible said they were added to the church daily, I don't know if that's what exactly what that meant, but this year kind of feels like that a little bit. But praise the Lord. We're grateful for every new life the Lord gives us. Amen. Maybe, uh, Brother Ben, could you just play uh, how, how Great Is Our God? We're going to turn the service immediately to our brother Michael. There is an announcement um, for the young people for the Saturday of the meetings, May 21st. There is going to be an event and a lunch for the young people. Uh, either here at the church or at a field nearby, but please, they do need to know numbers, so contact the office or Sister Megan by this Wednesday to let them know if you intend to be there in between services on Saturday so that they can plan accordingly. And I believe that's all of the preliminary. Oh, there was one more. There's going to be a work bee at the church this coming Saturday, so that is the, I believe that's the 14th, but at 9.30 in the morning, they'll be doing some landscaping and just cleaning up of the property uh, before the anniversary meeting. So if you'd like to come and lend a hand, they could use the help this coming Saturday at 9.30 in the morning. All right, I believe that's everything. I invite our brother Michael to come. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord, prepare our hearts for the ministering of the word. And I just want to worship our God this morning. So let's just sing together how great is our God as our brother Michael comes. Oh, the splendor of a king, he is clothed in majesty, all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, yes, he wraps himself in Oh, man. 
Father can now then sing my soul, my Savior God to thee. Amen. That's what we've come to do this morning. Is to give him worthy, his worthy due honor and praise. Amen. Glory, glory, my. I sure would not want the rocks to cry out. Not as long as we're praising him. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful morning. I stood out in the morning, just uh, outside, and I heard the birds chirping, and it was not raining, which was nice. And I just heard the birds, and you just kind of just sat there, and I said, Lord, you must love morning. It just speaks of resurrection. My. One glad morning. When this life is over, <laughs> I'll fly away. Amen. Nature just speaks of our God over and over. Amen. I love that little story. Says, Where's God? He told little little boy, asked the old gentleman. He says, oh, I just see him everywhere. Amen. I greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus this morning. All those that are connected. I know some are away, but Tim's away. There are different ones at the memorial there. Brother Murphy's taking a little break. So... Somehow I got landed here this morning. So you help me, please. I told Brother Jean, I said, man, I think I'd take 80 Wednesdays over one Sunday. He says, no. I said, yes. <laughs> oh, my. But it's just the Lord's Day, so we're here to worship. I know the brothers from Montreal, I, Toronto, I think this is your last service, is it not? My, we're going to miss you. My, you had a power pack week, didn't you? Amen. It was good to have you with us. We just enjoyed even the short time we were able to have. Amen. Brother Adam, Brother Joel, Brother Felix. Amen. Brother Eddie, God bless you. Take our greetings back home, please. Amen. I greet our mothers this morning. I know it's the world has made these things big and such, but mothers are a big deal. <laughs> mothers are a big deal. Brother Branham says you're a preacher, actually. That's what he said. He says, you have a little congregation every morning, every day, and you preach to them. So that's a pretty big spot. A daily preacher is a mama. She's holding the gospel in front of her little ones. Say, God bless you to each one that's here. Amen. It's uh, fastly fading, the office of a mom, a real mom. So you're holding that banner high. God bless you, mothers. Appreciate you. Well, we'll turn to scripture this morning. Thank you, musicians. We're going to turn to Isaiah 59. Very, very, very familiar scripture. This might be the shortest Sunday morning on uh, record over the last few little bits. (laughs) But it could be not. (laughs) I always feel that way, though. When I preach, but uh, Lord, we'll just have a, whatever time it is, if it's five minutes in his presence, that'll be a life-changing moment. Amen. Moses was a little bit of time in the presence of the Lord and it changed him forever. I pray it would be a, as Brother Branham said, a sacred sands, maybe morning for somebody, maybe just a word. I'm going to take a little bit of a subject, maybe a bit of a different service and, uh, you know, Lord knows what, uh, what we need. So we're going to just speak, uh, turn to Isaiah 59. We'll start in verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord. 
from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. You know, Isaiah was a special prophet. I find his scriptures are just, man, they are loaded. I loved Isaiah. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. You'll probably quote that in your, in your sleep. You've probably heard it so often. But may the Lord today we just help us to, just to speak about that a little bit. The next verse says, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion and to unto, unto them that turn from transgression. In Jacob saith the Lord, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth. Amen. I'm glad it's not my words. His words in my mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. Amen. Amen. From henceforth and forever. Let's just turn over to, uh, we're going to turn to Revelation. Might seem like a strange jump, but. You know, sometimes it's a, I just speak for me. I won't speak for no one else. Lord just places maybe sometimes just a little phrase or you just, you read something or read a quote or scripture and it just kind of places it and it just, just doesn't go away. And, uh, and sometimes just around that thought and, and, uh, he said, Lord, please blossom that thought. I feel like I'm just drilling down one line or one statement or one, one, uh, something that just kind of hits your heart. So if you feel like I'm hitting something over and over again, well, it's because that's the, that's the thought that the God gave me. And it just maybe didn't expound any further than that one little part. But, uh, we'll just uh, help me here this morning. Revelations four. I might just, uh, I'll just go through the, much of the scripture, I'll read it fairly quickly for the sake of time. After this, I looked and behold, the door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was at, as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Can you imagine what John was experiencing? And the he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed white with white raiment. And they had their heads on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a, like a calf, and the third beast as a face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings and him uh, about him, and, and, the, and they were full of eyes within, and they, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who lived forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him and sat on that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they and are and were created. Wow, what a moment John was experiencing there as they as he was seeing the throne of God. And so I just want to take a little thought this morning 
And we'll just uh, try and tie those two together. Let's just bow our head and pray, though, before we go any further. Heavenly Father, Lord, your scripture is, is much, oh, is very deep, Lord. But Lord, your prophet, when he opened the seals, Lord, and spoke the series, he started it, God in simplicity. And Lord, so Lord, you reveal it, Lord, unto babes, Lord, and it confounds the wise. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray you open your word this morning. Lord, you would reveal the very secrets that you would desire to give us today that would nurture us, Lord, and give us the spiritual sustenance that our body needs. And Lord, we could go away, Lord, as David said, Lord, when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, and it was a good day, a glad day, Lord Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, that you would move amongst us. We desire your presence. We don't come to fill a pew. We don't come just to fill time. Lord, we have a hungry heart burdened heart lord hearts there's needs here in this meeting this morning lord maybe needs in the body maybe needs in the spirit lord whatever it would be lord you are the meter you're jehovah jireh and you can provide lord the needs that we have i pray this morning we commit the service in jesus christ's name to you now amen amen you may have your seats It's going to speak this morning a little bit on a, just a topic, the power within. And uh, I was looking, I sometimes look at titles. I make sure somebody hasn't titled the service the same way. You know, and then, like, oh, you just spoke on his service. <laughs> so I sometimes, oh my goodness, when you type in power, lots of people have preached on power. It's a very common or a popular topic, apparently. There's power of choice, power of his presence, power of the cross, power of the blood, power of our sin, power of the spoken word, power of influence, power of grace, power of endless life, the word of his power, power of your need, power to pursue, power of revelation. These are all services that you have all heard. You're like, wow, don't remember any of those. Well, there they are. Just type power in and you want a service. There, there's some uh, powerful services available to you. <laughs> You know, I think the humans were consumed with power. Really, we are. You know, uh, the human race, it just has a desire. It just really desires to have, you know, power. No? Yes, it does. You're going to have to help me this morning. I'm going to take my coat off because uh, we'll just try and get a little bit more relaxed. Strength. Man wants strength, power. I just looked up a little bit. You know, there's those that are my, there's some powerful men. Just look that one up and see uh, strongman. These these fellows are, whew, they got some power. They're lifting, you know, 500-pound log lifts and 900-pound uh, deadlifts and 629-pound bench presses. I say, that's some serious power. This little frame would snap in two, uh, just even attempting something like that. My goodness, you know, mental power. There's, you know, people that have just incredible, uh, you know, mental intelligence and, and the power of their brain. And, uh, you know, there's machine power, there's electrical power. I mean, power, it's everywhere. We're all consumed with power. Just is what it is, whether you like it or not. You know, who's the most powerful man in the world? Well, most people would say probably the United States president. But uh, right now, others, I think, are trying to vie for that. Maybe Russia or something like that, trying to show some power. They want to show, I've got power, and you don't have power over me. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm greater than you. And so there's a jockeying consistently for power. My goodness, electrical power. You know, in, in, the, in one bolt of lightning... This can be a physics question, brother, brother Kim. I know it, it expands, you know, but a bolt, a bolt of lightning, how much power does it have in it? Some say it can light up a small town of 50 houses or so for a day. Others say it can light up a house for a month or two. Just one flash of power. 
Now, that's God power there. Amen. Uh, you catch, catch a lightning bolt as some have tried, but, well, I'm sure they haven't succeeded. <laughs> and never lived to tell the story. Anyways. But I want to talk about a little bit of a different power this morning. And uh, maybe not the grandeur or something that's really, you know, flashy or, you know, in strength and, and of natural aspects per se, but really something that maybe is from the inside. Maybe an, something that's coming from within, an inner power, or I should say an inner strength. You know, we, when uh, we, I've talked about this before with different ones, you know, when a disaster strikes, you know, we wonder how will I, how will I react? You know, how, how am I going to, you know, take that in? There's lots of things that can happen and we might, some people project in their mind that they have, you know, uh, I'm the, uh, I'm going to respond in a certain way when there's a, if there was a war, if there was a, a, you know, a natural disaster or something, or let's say the Twin Towers went down, how would you respond? Well, you know, I'd have all my presence about me and I would, you know, do this and I'd do that and I'd be right there. You know, we, we can play up in our minds, you know, what it is, but when it happens, when it really happens, what, what actually goes on, right? There's something, some people have, you know, something within that's, that, uh, that really can, can, uh, well, there was a 10 year old girl. She was at, uh, the, in the tsunami there in, I believe it was, uh, in Phuket. I think it was. And she was 10 years old and her teacher had just told her a few months before the tsunami settings of what would happen and the signs of it. And she was on the beach with her family and she saw these, these signs and the foaming of the ocean and such. And she said, the tsunami's coming. And she had, she had presence of mind. Something that was, that, that was, she was, she wasn't frantic and she, she was trying to warn. She actually, they, they give her a hundred, about a hundred people that she saved because of, she was, she would, she had seen what was happening. And so there was something, you know, there's an inner presence or something within that, that people can be calm in these aspects, you know, or, you know, some people do their yoga because they're trying to find their inner Zen. It's just carnality there. Well, well, it is what people do. You laugh and chuckle, but that's what they're trying to find. Some inner source of strength. Some inside that's going to hold them in through, through the, the, the day of, day to day life that's maybe they're struggling through. And, and so they're, they're trying to figure out a way. How can I just find that inner moment where I'm fully strong within? Right. Because most people in these types of moments and reactions of crisis, there's different actually responses. Most people, there's a good chunk. Some will laugh or be silent. They said it may sound strange, but laughter or silence during a crisis is actually a very common manifestation of denial that this is really happening. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. This isn't really happening. It actually is happening. You're in a disaster. And so people laugh. They try to laugh it off and deny it. I wonder how many spiritually in a spiritual disaster are just laughing. <laughs> no, 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 I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a problem. No, you're in denial. You have a spiritual disaster happening. Procrastination. In a survey of more than 1,400 survivors of the World Trade Center attacks on September 11th, 40% said they gathered personal items before leaving the building. You're like, what on earth are you going for your stapler and a few files on your desk when a plane has just smashed into a building? But somehow they feel that, that the process they said is common in life and death situations. They want to prepare for the unknown and get as many supplies as possible to find comfort in acting out some normal everyday habit. Similar to a person grabbing their carry-on bag when the plane has gone down. It's like, what do you need your carry-on for? This is life or death right now. Forget the bag and get off the plane. But, man, but in that moment, 
they're lacking something. They're lacking presence. They're lacking really a, something within that is giving them clear focus on what to do. And so they procrastinate and kind of put it off. Or there's arrogance that people have. And, and so they don't want to, they don't want to 70% in Hurricane Floyd in 99, 70% of the people actually drowned. Uh, most of them in their cars amid flooded streets because despite the warnings, despite the warnings that the floodwaters were dangerous, they thought they were exceptions to the rule. It's just plain arrogance in a time of disaster. That doesn't apply to me. The, the, the world and, and Satan and all its vices, no, it, it's not going to apply to me. I, I'm totally fine where I am and it do, won't affect me. Social media won't affect me. Or, or this area, you know, Hollywood doesn't affect me. And so I'm, I'm an exception to the rule. You're in a disaster and it's actually arrogance. These are just common. Common and natural. Tunnel vision, another common aspect of in time of a great, a common reaction. And they get so so focused, you know, on on a certain area. Uh, paralysis is also another common. They just basically freeze and freeze in terror. Very common. But Murphy spoke numerous, maybe a couple years ago. Now he's at that thousand yard stare, and someone gets in that in a, in a credible situation, and and they just they just freeze, and they and they can't do anything. These are common common aspects in, in reaction to a disaster or a crisis. But, you know, there are those, though, that have something that wells up inside. The uncommon, I should say, or what we'd maybe say some heroes of such, and they react a little differently. There's something inside of them that, that something, something triggers. They didn't really even know it was there until the moment came. Okay, and so there's different ones to flip the coin. In Chernobyl, there was different ones. Three divers actually went and... Uh, and willingly went and dove with regular dive gear into the depths of the reactor to release a valve because hundreds of thousands of people could have been exposed to harmful radiation. And so they willingly said in that situation, they knew it, they threw on some really rudimentary dive gear back then and dove to find this valve in this contaminated water, and within weeks they died. But something within them drove them to respond to the situation. All right. To Titanic, actually, there was a chef on board that was tossing literally people into the boats as they were as they were trying to get the different ones off. He was tossing chairs overboard so that people could hang to them on the uh, in the water. And he was he's potentially credited with being one of the last to even leave the boat as he hung onto the rail, thought to be possibly the last to even leave the Titanic as it really you know sunk into the water. And uh, he ended up actually living. But you know he had a he had something. He had a presence of mind in these moments, not to be the one. Fl- or running or screaming and, and figuring out, you know, what, what can I do? And they get focused, self-centered focus. And here he was, had something deep within him. And so there, there's something unique in, in, a, in a person in these moments of great disaster. I'll bring you one more before we move ahead. There's a gentleman by the name of Louis Zamperini. They wrote a book on him called Unbroken. And he went through some incredibly incredibly terrible things he was in the he was a, he was a kind of a bad kid he smoked at five years old drank at eight fought stole whiskey for moon for moonshiners he was just really rotten kind of young fella and uh his brother was wanted to try and pull him out of these things and so he they forced him into running track and field to get him out of trouble and his health was terrible 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 health because of his early years of uh, uh of riotous living more or less. And soon he started to race, though he trained, he started to race, he ran the mile in four minutes uh, and 21.3 seconds. 
And so he shattered a national school record there and trained. He went to the 35 Olympics and he placed fifth in the, or sorry, eighth in the 5,000 meter and broke a record on the final lap, met Hitler. And so this is kind of where he went. And so now the war broke out and he joins the army and he was sent on a rescue mission and crashed in the Pacific and survived. And him and his few of his comrades sat there for, uh, for many days. I believe it's 47 days. They sat in the ocean, just the three of them. And one after about 30 days in, uh, died and, uh, they buried their survivor. They caught birds and baited fish, ate shark livers. They were shot at. They were attacked by sharks, shot at by Japanese planes. It was a, this was, this was the start of his, of a very difficult time. He, they were rescued by the enemy. Sent to an execution island and sustained unbelievable horrors, experimental procedures. He was then sent to a camp called the Amori camp and the prison guard who was called the bird basically picked him as his, as his, uh, the person that he wanted to take all of his, uh, demented anger out and tormented him. And he, he went through just countless incredible situations. There was a count where he went through 220 punches to the face. Uh, just because of this, 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 uh, commandant and, uh, he, he was forced to raise a heavy beam over his head for, for, I mean, this man is, became about 80 pounds from 155 and hold it, hold a beam over his head for an, as long as, as he was told essentially forever. And unless he'd be shot, he did it for 37 minutes till he was beat, uh, because the, the bird who they called wouldn't, uh, he, he just would not something inside of me would not break. Why? What is it? What is inside him? And over two years, it took him over two years to be, to be liberated there. He said something went on inside of me. He goes, I don't know what it was. Something that he didn't even know was there was causing him or, or, or giving him the ability to sustain the unthinkable, the unimaginable. And I'm not, I'm giving you the, 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 the top, top details. Anyways, he went through the other side of it is he battled with credible PTSD. And uh, actually wake, woke up in multiple times, almost uh, strangling his wife and in, the, in, the, in dreams and such. And it was just a very difficult situation. They were looking to separate. But his wife found Christ at a Billy Graham meeting and not long after he did as well. And so this story is called Unbroken. And but something I just wanted to show that there there's something even in a natural aspect through natural life there's a power within that will drive somebody to be able to sustain terrible terrible wickedness and terrible pressure. But I'm going to turn a corner a little bit here now. Lord help us. You know that's wonderful in the natural, but I, I want to spin it here a little bit. And I can think you know how would we react to a spiritual disaster? Because as the scripture we read, when the enemy comes in like a flood, and the last to check a flood is a disaster. We had one here not too long ago. It was a disaster, was it not? Millions of dollars in damage. So the enemy is going to come in with a spiritual disaster, a flood. Amen. But God is going to raise a standard. There's going to be something that's going to be able to be rose up. That's going to be to be able to combat that flood like disaster. Amen. And I know many of you have probably experienced natural and spiritual disasters, great violence by the enemy. Amen. To the extent where you don't even know where you're, maybe sometimes you don't even know why you're even still standing. Who's been through those moments? So I don't even know how I'm even here. How am I even surviving right now? And maybe some of you are even there right now because God is raising a standard. 
And if a Louis Zamperini on the natural side, there's something inside of him that could be unbroken in the face of terrible, wicked, natural instances. God is raising a spiritual people that in the face of extreme spiritual disaster, he's that he has placing a power within you and I to stand the wicked day we're in. Amen. Now I was thinking back, but Abraham, I believe, preached a message that day on Calvary. And I was just thinking that just that those words came to my mind that day at Calvary. What a devastating blow to the enemy's camp. Ah, just I just pondered that for a little bit. What a moment that day on Calvary. When God and, oh my goodness, when God hung on, on the cross of Calvary, paying the price for you and I in Satan's kingdom. Oh, can you imagine the bombs going off in that realm? I mean, that day on Calvary, what a disaster to Satan's kingdom. It was crumbling. He had a flood coming in. Yes, sir. And it was reeling with the impact of what just happened. Man had been reconciled back to God. All that he had desired when he had put his little thoughts into Eve and, and broke man and, and basically created a chasm. And here God has now reconciled man back to, to himself. And Satan is like, what just happened? And so he devises, he's like, I got to do something about this. Satan didn't stop for long. I'm sure it took him some moments to sat down in his chair Tried to gather his, himself together. And now he's like, I gotta figure out how to deal with this. Because if I could do it back in the garden, I'm gonna be able to do it again. So he figured he's, he, he's capable of, of completely wrecking God's plan one more time. Okay? This is where Satan's at in his brain. And so he's in his planning room trying to figure out how do, how do I deal with this? And so now, because remember, he's got belt, tattered belt loops right now. I mean, he's just trying to sew them back up because God tore the keys from his belt. Amen? Read, read Brother Branham as he gives you the details and the drama of that. He's trying to figure out he's got shredded loops. His belt don't even stay on. He's got a problem. And so he says, all right, I need to figure a way out here. I need to figure out how I can deform this. I need to figure out how I can pervert this. Brother Bam says, now that's what I'm trying to warn you here about. When you see God's seed begin to take hold and to grow, watch out for that fellow coming in as slick as he can be. Quote scripture just to who wouldn't have it. See, watch him. He's a deceiver. I'm going to call it instead a conformer. He's a deformer, deforming the thing that's been conformed. He's a deformer. He says it again, a deformer, a perverter, a corrupter of the original seed and original program. So he's trying to figure out how can I misconstrue this one more time. Amen. And he goes, so he goes, Brother Bram says, now you see, like your group here this morning, you got a little program, you got a vision. Now watch for that corrupter. Oh, he'll be sly and slick as he can be, you see. But keep your vision, boy. See, keep holding to that. I say, keep our vision. Keep holding to that. Because a deformer is going to come in and try and deform what God is desiring to do. You know, times have changed. We need to adapt a little bit. It's a new age we're in. So we need to just, you know, we need to change a little bit. We need to deform the way. No, no, there's no deforming. This is the way. 
the truth, and the life. Anything outside of this is deformed. And it's dead. It's okay to act like the world and come to church. It's okay to do that. Nobody really cares anymore, you know? There's no shame anymore. I can be this on, on social media and I can come to church and raise my hands. It's not okay. I'm sorry, but it's not okay. He's a deformer. So Satan tries to figure out what he can do. You know, so we're going to go to... He says, I got some powers that I'm going to release and try and start to bend this my direction. We read Revelations 4. My goodness. I read a commentary on what people feel that means. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for a message. And may we get it out into their language to the people so that they're not confused by the deforming of the word of God. One commentary, they signify these four living creatures. They signify them as ministers of the gospel, not because of their situation, but because they're, because they're near to God and their eyes denoted the sanctity and the vigilance and the circumspection. And, and they go through all these details of what, how they felt these beasts were. My goodness, like I said, thank you, Lord, for the word. Because Satan was trying to figure out how can I, how can I bring this back into my court? And so he says, I, I'm going to start to release a power into the world. And that's where we go into, if you want to, we're going to just go a little bit into where Brother Branham releases. And if you go in the seals, but God has always had a blockade. Satan is not, he didn't ever, he's never taken this into calculation. God has always guarded the word. He's always had a barrier. And if you look at the natural type with Israel, that's where the tribes are around the temple or around the tabernacle. Three tribes here, three tribes here, etc. All in total, three on each side. They, they were, Brother Brown talks about, they were guardians. Guardians of the tabernacle, amen? And so then as we go forward, God always had, he said, that's natural. Then we have the gospels, which again were guardians of the word of God, amen? So God has always had a guard protecting the word. I think Satan didn't, he miscalculated this. But Abraham says, now notice, as went the Antichrist for beasts of ministry, God sent forth a beast to combat it. Then every time the beast rode on his horse, the Antichrist rode on his horse on his beast to announce his ministry, God sent his beast also, and he was on that to announce his combat to it. Amen? So the battle starts to rage one more time. He says, now the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God raises a standard against it. But Abraham says, a beast in the scripture is a power. All right, we know this. Some of these things are, I know for many, maybe just, you, you know this well. Maybe this is for some of our younger ones. He says, the ecumenical council that's just meeting over here this week to discuss the problems, they're all wanting to unite, and they'll do it. Bible says they'll do it. Make an image under the beast. You see their very background comes from a beast is a power, and it be a power, but it'll be the wrong power. All right? And so here's Satan. He goes into his stables because he's now going to release a power to combat the word of God. Okay, and so here he goes. He goes, I got just the solution. I know exactly how I'm going to deal with this. I did it at the beginning. I'm going to do it again. And so out he trots out his white horse. 
that's just clean and innocent and pure, and no one would even think otherwise. It, oh, that just looks just looks like God. It looks very you know pure and innocent, but it was not because as the scripture said he had a bow with no arrows. If you go into the scripture, and so it was Satan starting to plant a deforming spirit into the Word of God. Amen. And this was his power. He says, now you see. Where it's at, not only Catholic, he said, but Protestant, it's the whole thing. It's all the whole organized world. It's the white horse rider under the way of a white righteousness church. See, but an antichrist, it's got to look alike on a horse, even just like Christ coming on a horse. How deceptive, how just so close that it could deceive even the very elect if it were possible. But when we have a word come forth in this day to show us that, no, that was not Christ. He comes later and you see in the scripture where the word speaks about Christ coming with his vesture dipped in blood. But this was a, this was an antichrist spirit that was going to start to just start wooing the church. Just a little bit of deed, a little bit of thought, just, just change it just a little way. Times need to change a little. We need to, we need to structure a little bit different. And it was subtle. This was a power that was being released. And within on that side, little did people know, but something within them, they were anointed and they were anointed by an antichrist spirit to start to deform the word of God. It was the beginning of a slow and steady grip. Was it not? Abraham says it from deeds to doctrine to standard. This was the plan. And Satan was long reaching in his thoughts about it. And so he released out of his stables a power of a white horse rider. And his ultimate goal is to remove the life out of the church, out of God's people. To make a cold, formal, structured, tradition-ridden body. And Ephesians rejected it. And so will the bride of this. They reject it. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. But Abraham says, so will the bride. He says, look at it today. If you read Acts 2-4 the way some do, you could read it this way. Now when the day of Pentecost was fully come. There came a priest with a wafer and said, stick out your tongue. And he laid the wafer upon it and he himself drank some wine and said, you have now received the Holy Ghost. Incredible. I'm reading a quote. That's not me. He said, that's exactly what Nicolaitanism has come to. Amen. Furthermore, the Bible is not finished. It has, it has to change with the times. We'll tell you what changes are. He says, how contrary that is to the word of God that emphatically states, let God be true, every man a liar. And whenever there's a conflict with the truth, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word of God will fail. Amen. Amen. So the people are led by people who presume to be what they're not. They say they're vikers of Christ, but what they are is antichrist. And so here it suddenly started. But God had his own power. 
the guardians were activated. And so now God says, I'm sending forth my spirit in the form of a lion. And I'm going to start to roar. And so he placed a power within the believers in that first time. As that, as that white horse rider went forth, God sent forth the spirit of a lion to anoint them to roar. To proclaim the word of God. So that miracles and testimonies and the word of God would go forth in its power and its form and its demonstration. God said, that's my word. My word will not change. And I'm going to put something into people that are going to stand against the flood. It says, when they were therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom? He said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes, they were to receive a power because God knew that all of Rome... In its paganness and all of that was going to start coming as an onslaught. And they needed a power to just well up within them to be able to stand the force of the enemy. Paul knew it was coming. He even warned the church. He said, take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Which hath purchased with his own blood for this. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves Enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples unto them. The lion was roaring. The word was going forth, and he was even warning, this is coming. You've got a power that's coming. There is a white horse rider that's going to start coming out. They didn't know that. You know that. They didn't know. But something within them, unknown at that moment, that they said, I don't understand it, but I'm just going to go forth. Peter and John, he said, I don't understand it, but they started breaking forth and preaching a gate beautiful. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. It was the lion that was going forth in power and demonstration. God laying down the foundation. This is my word and nothing will prevail. And in the midst of just smooth, subtle deeds and little changes, it didn't, it wasn't big. These were little changes. That's not really that big a deal, Paul. What's the big deal? John, apostles, different ones that would have gone out. It's just a little change. But those that had an anointing of the lion were stuck so steady on the word of God. That lion anointing is the same Holy Spirit. That's the same anointing that we must have in this day. As they were stuck so firm on the, on the word of God, we must also be stuck so firm. But I'm telling you this morning, what I, if I unburden my heart in one simple paragraph of, of, of verbatim, I'm just saying they didn't know it. It was, they didn't conjure it up inside of them. It was there. God anointed them. It wasn't like, oh, am I going to have it? Am I going to know what I get? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? They already had it inside. It was a power within them that rose up in the time of disaster. In this time of spiritual disaster, God has put a power in you and I to stand in this wicked day. Acts 16. They came against over and over, but the lion started, continued to demonstrate its might and the saints were unctioned and it was a book of acts, a book of acts. Amen. 
But Abraham says, but see what was happening there. The false vine was getting a hold. It was teaching the rulership of man. By man was right. It taught that the church had to be governed. It taught a control over the people. But instead of, instead of doing it God's way, they simply took authority, vested all spiritual power in their own hands, came out with a holy priesthood standing between God and the people. They went right back to the old Aaronic system. They became Antichrist, for they disposed of his mediatorship, mediatorship and imposed their own. And God was hating it. Hating seeing that they were starting to put man in place of God. Slowly, God hated that. Direct quote. The Ephesians hated that. And any true believer will hate it too. We would, we, we would have to be stone blind not to see the same thing at work all through the ages. Come on. And right now, he says, it's worst of all. He says, what was it? It was organization that separated people. God's people are supposed to be one. By one spirit are they all baptized into one body. And everyone is to be moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And everyone is to participate in worship of God. Everyone. I'm just going to say this. It might be quiet worship. It might be loud worship. I don't care. But it better be worship. Because everyone is supposed to participate in worship to Him. It's not just some choir that sings their song and everybody watches. It's not some song leader and everybody watches. It's you and I together are a body unified to worship the King of Glory. It's a deed of the Nicolaitan to come in and hold back worship. And they got the people to obey them until the time came that their way of worship did not in any way resemble the early days of Pentecost. God help us be, go back to ensure, Lord, if I came into church this morning, I want my worship to resemble in every aspect, in every iota, the worship at the original days of Pentecost. Amen? That's what it needs to be. And the Holy Spirit that anointed them it's going to anoint you, and it will manifest the same thing. Amen. And the deeds were beginning with the beginning of an apostolic succession. From apostolic succession, it was easy and quick step to church membership as the means of saving grace. And the word was reduced to creed. Antichrist, by his spirit, was predominating the church. Amen. Oh, I'm so glad for the lion. That started to roar. And God sent his teaching out. But Abraham says, by the word, the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is the word of God made manifest in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit there to manifest himself, which is the word. Amen. That's the reason the early church had healings and miracles and visions and power is because it was a living word in the form of the lion of the tribe of Judah riding out to combat it. Hey man, I can just imagine that white horse thought he had it all. Here was his bow, but I think he forgot something. But he forgot your arrows, pal. Like, what do you expect to do? But the lion went out to roar. It wasn't a toothless lion. It was a mighty lion that had a that had a jaw that could break the enemy's back. And he went out to combat that bowless fellow. Now you got it. He said he sends his power, Antichrist. God sends his word. That's how it is every time. Satan sends out his power. God sends forth his word. That's the same equation. Every age. Amen. He says, false antichrist, false teaching, true teaching went with it to combat it. Amen. My. Lord help us. 
My, he says, I think them disciples in the early days, he says, we're just a little handful of people with no education, no ability, no earthly speaking, no degrees. It's okay. God's people are humble people. We're just a simple people. And here they were. They had nothing. But one thing was, was the Holy Spirit they had received on the day of Pentecost. They didn't need no more. There was nothing else they needed. All they needed was the Holy Ghost. For God had said, upon this inspiration, I'll build my church. Amen. He says if it was their own philosophy, their own ideas, they would have been smothered out in the beginning. That's what he said. Indeed. And so I can tell you, as the flood waters start to rise, and you just want to come at it with your own idea, well, I am pretty sure I know how to handle this disaster. If it isn't the word of God, you'll be smothered out. But when this is your protection, it ain't really a matter how high the flood waters go. They can go all the way to the top of Mount Ararat in the time of Noah as the floodwaters rose. But he had the word for his day, which built him an ark. Amen. Even better yet, Enoch had the word for his day and he didn't even have to go through a flood. He was just gone. That's you and I. Amen. Amen. That's a side. Well, that was free. Satan. Hear the lion. I can imagine he goes back to his little room and says, well, that didn't work out too well. Here, here I was combated at, and I was, and it, he obviously didn't have victory, cause he had to figure out another way, another method. So he goes back to this table, I gotta bring out another power, and out he trots out his red horse. He says, well if I can't beat them at the word, I can't infiltrate, I, they, they still standing strong, I'm gonna bring out something different, and this time indeed, I'm gonna bring out a sword, and I'm gonna start to rage war. And he does. He starts a rage war, but Abraham says, now let's consider a red horse rider goes forth power given him to slay with a great sword. Now here's my revelation of this. He said, this is Satan. It's the devil again. But you find out here that this man has a sword which pertains to church political war. And now you might not think that, but just watch a minute. He says, just watch a few minutes. Now notice a change of color of these horses. Same rider. Change of color, and the horse is a beast, power. And in the beast, he says, it's a power. He says, but the same system riding on another color power now from the innocent white to a bloody red. Oh, just for a little bit of time, it's just innocent. It's just, just an innocent little, uh, you know, uh, relationship that you might have. It's just an innocent little interaction or, or something that you might do. But in time, it'll turn from white to bloody red because it's out to destroy you. Satan was doing just that. And here, 68 million martyrs, as, as the, the writers of, old, of, of time have, have wrote down, hundreds after hundreds start to die and are slain as that power starts to ride forth. And his sword is swinging. Swinging. One by one. I'd say that was a spiritual disaster. You, you think, yeah, well, you know, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Oh, my goodness. Some of them churches got whittled down pretty quick. And it might have been like, it's just you and I? All of you just got taken away in one big swath, and you're now in the Colosseum. It's just you left. Oh, suddenly all of you, you just got all burned at the stake. It's just you left. Oh, all five, eight of these rows, and it's just these back rows that are left. Maybe it's just Brother Ruan that's left in his little group. 68 million started to get devoured by a power that was riding strong. God said, it's okay. 
I know we look on that side of it and we say, oh my goodness, how is that possible? God said, okay, uh, it's okay. He didn't see my protector. He didn't see that I have another power that guards my word. And I'm going to send forth my spirit in the form of an ox. And it's going to confound him. Because as each one of them laid down their life, it was just willingly. Willingly I come. Unto you, God, I lay my life down. Are you serious? Why don't you just recant? Isn't your life worth anything? It's not worth nothing. I just lay it down as a, as a, as a sacrifice unto my king. For right now, it's, it's, this is nothing. Flesh and life is nothing. But if I can be with him, it's everything. And he couldn't figure it out. My, his sword and his power of his red horse is trampling down God's people. And they're just laying it down oh, here and there and everywhere. And he's just like, what's going on? Because inside of them, you say, I could never do that. No, but you don't realize it, that they were anointed to do that. It welled up from inside. Someone banged down the door and said, you're going to the stake. I'm right here. What do you mean you're right here? You didn't have to knock my door down. You know, someone has to repair that now. I'll just come willingly because I'm going to lay my life down for the Savior that laid his life down for me. He willingly laid him on himself on the cross and the nails pounded in his hand just like him. I'll do so. I'll do just for him. They were anointed to combat the enemy of the red horse rider. What a powerful anointing that was. My, you think, well, it's just an ox. You know, you read the scripture and this beast had to, you know, look like in one scripture a calf, not an ox. What's an ox? That doesn't really seem powerful. This isn't the throne room of God guarding the word. Mm Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Because when you can lay your life down willingly, that's the most powerful thing ever. Sacrificially just saying, I'll give him my all. Surrendering everything. Not your own will and my desire and what I need. No, the power is the surrender. And that's what the ox was. It was sacrifice. Full surrender. That's a powerful anointing. My, it must have enraged the devil. As they sacrificed their lives, it shifted and it enraged them, stomping out every believer he could. But Abraham says, and this rider, all his kingdom subjects slain down through the age, drawed all the blood of the martyrs and saints. They took the sword of dogma and antichrist and cut down the real true worshipers all down through the ages to well the millions. And then the imposters against the word of God because they wouldn't agree. And this, he said, Satan placed united political power, which he held. And now the spiritual power, which he held. And together made a church that sweeped into every nation. And he has put millions times millions. He jumped off his white horse onto the red horse and took his sword and went forth. Indeed he did. And the church started to form who she was. That Catholic church beast of who she started to take form in and started to put her dogmas in and started to kill the people. But Abraham says in the days of the ox, just a teeny little drop of them listened to the ox message. And so Satan, again, back to the drawing board, says, well, that is not working out too well. There's still a people. There's still a teeny drop of people but nonetheless they're still people 
And so he's saying, I can't stomp them out with my sword and the power of this red horse that has now taken this united political and spiritual powers. And I can't crush out the word of God in people. I can't slay it out of them. I can't burn it out of them. Mm. And out he pulls out another horse. He says, you think red was bad? I'm going to ride a black one now. And out he releases another power. And he goes, and here he comes out with this terrible looking powerful steed. I'm sure as he mounts him up and he started to ride in the time that Abraham says of those dark ages. That's what the dark horse represented. He said it was a time of midnight to the true believers that was left. Teeny drop. He says, watch now in the middle of the age. He says, you just have a little strength. It was midnight for the true believer. You just got a little bit there, but it's there. There's strength there. He says, practically all hope had been taken from the true church for this fellow controlled both church and state. What did you, what, what were they going to do? See, Catholicism had taken over both church and state and all didn't agree with them was killed. That's the reason he was on a dark horse. It was a dark time. Long time of dark time. And he says, if you know your history, well, you won't even have to know it. He goes, this, you don't even, well, you don't even, if you, you won't have to even know it to know. He says, all hope was gone. That's the black horse. That's his black horse, he says. And I can just imagine as that power is riding forth and Satan with his evil maniacal laugh. <laughs> I've done it. It's as dark. It's as dismal. And the hope is all but gone. These are your, my brothers and sisters' times they lived in. And I, not to hate to say it, I'm going to say it. They had no clue this was happening. And we sit here sanctimoniously. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> it was a dark horse. I know, I read the seals. No, this was real, saints. His balance is now and his scales in his hand calling out measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. It's a scripture. And actually he says wheat and barley, but Abraham says natural staff of life. That was the bread and stuff is made from. You see, he was charging for this. What it means, he was charging his subjects for the kind of hope of life that he was sending to them. Well, if you just pay me a little bit, then I'll give you some hope. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine God looking down and saying, I died on a cross. I gave my life's blood for you. I put a crown of thorns, allowed them to place it on my head and whip me and beat me. And I gave it freely. I paid the price and you're charging my people. Oh my goodness, I can imagine God got probably a little bit enraged as he saw that happening. He said, that's okay. I've got my own power. He said, you started every time making them pay for prayers, charging for prayer. He said, capturing the wealth of the world, the scale, weighing it out. Measures of wheat, barely for a penny. And that rider on a black horse, he was making, stripping the subjects of their money. He says the Bible predicts that. He holds the wealth of the world. You know, I, I said, is this still real? I don't know. I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> As the original, original Catholic. <laughs> at the very beginning, if you want to say it that way. But to remain in good standing, Catholics are required to confess their sins at least once a year. Once a year. You should do that. You should confess your sins. That's good enough, apparently. But they said, you know what? People aren't even doing that. 
They're not even coming to confessional, not even once a year and maybe never. It's, it's a problem. And so the Catholic Church had to make some changes not too long ago. And they had to bring back the, uh, these indulgences again, which got ruled out because, because the man anointing, the power to combat that black horse came forth and it started to a re- reformation. And there came Martin Luther and the ones of, of, of times past and Wesley. And here Luther, my goodness, this man was anointed by an intelligence from an unknown realm. Or from a supernatural realm. Because here he had multi-languages. He was in there. If you even read or see anything about Martin Luther. He, he, he knew his stuff. God placed him there. Here the black horse was moving out. And it was a wretched time. People were just whipping themselves for everything else. And paying for this and paying for that. And here they're trying to. This, this, is, the, this is the actual blood of Christ. And, and, he, and he is. He, God infiltrated. He infiltrated the system with a supernatural spy. He says, I'm just going to raise him up. <laughs> he's, a, he's an agent for me. And so I'm going to place him with the anointing. I know exactly what needs to combat you, the dark black horse. And I'm going to place the anointing, a supernatural intelligence of my spirit in them. And he's going to be right inside. And he's going to see everything that's going on. And then he's going to say, I know exactly how to take them down. And Martin Luther was sitting there, raised up in that. said, this isn't right. This is wrong. The just shall live by faith. My goodness. And as that anointing went forth, they started to combat the enemy, nailing his thesis to the door. And this church now is reeling. What's this going on? The Reformation spread forth and broke those bars down. Almost to the extent where it went the other way. Then it went really fanatic. But it was God's anointing of man's spirit to combat that wretched enemy, that dark horse that was riding. You say, did Martin Luther say, well, in about 10 years, I'll be ready. And, uh, and then it's, it's my go time. Yep. I got the call. It's go time. No, no, it wasn't that way. It was something inside of him that was welling up as he was in that time, in those years in that system. He says, mm, this isn't right. And until that power within him, it just burst forth. And God knew the exact time and something, something from the, the, the man power that God that was the protector of the word around the throne. That's what was inside of him that gave him the unction to speak forth. And I can tell you it wasn't easy. You find when people have a burden within, something that's just coming out, they don't even know, why why am I doing this? I don't know what's driving me. Something's just driving me to do this because it's something inside. It was an anointing. It was a power from the throne of God to press them out of the system that Satan had placed in them and was riding strong with a black horse. Now, These were gallant men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Brother Bram says the power. Don't forget this, church. And you, brethren, on tape, I want to you examine this. How could men do anything else besides the power of God that has been released to them? If I could sum up my whole service, it's this one quote. This is my one quote. Everything of this service is from this one quote, okay? Here it is. I'm going to read it. I want you to listen. How could any, could men do anything else besides the power of God that has been released to them? Place that here. Place that there. How can I do anything else? 
except what God has released to you to do. Amen. He says, if God sends a certain spirit among them, that's the only thing that can work. It's the spirit that works among them. Now we'll prove to you by the history of the church and by the opening of the seals and the powers that let loose and watch exactly the church responded to the anointing and they couldn't do nothing else. Hey, it takes all of your natural aspects out of it. Nothing that you're going to do. Well, I'll, I'll figure out, you know, and it's getting pretty heavy waging battle here, spiritually, naturally, whichever. I, I'm gonna, I, I know I got what it takes. Don't even worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to do when the disaster strikes. The disaster is struck. I tell you what you're doing. What you're doing. You're standing for Christ in this wicked day when, when Satan is unleashed and you're still pure. You're still spotless. You're doing it because there's anointing on you within that's pushing itself out. Nothing else. Satan says, fine then. I got one more. I'm going to wrap my trifecta of powers. And he starts to lead out the most wicked, terrible sight. And he led out. You say the pale horse. This was death. And hell followed. And he leads him out of his hellish stables. He says, I prepared the worst. For the last. If I couldn't get him with me innocence. And I couldn't deceive him subtly. And I couldn't whack it out of them. I couldn't burn it out of them. And I can't buy it out of them. I'm just going to kill him. And I'm going to spiritually put him to death. And he straddles his horse. With all. Pleasure. And he begins to ride. Death. I'd say there's a spiritual disaster. That's riding. This is death. And when Brother Brown talks, this isn't just natural death. That was red horse. This is spiritual death. He says, we find out. They started to denominate and to do the same thing. And here Martin Luther burst forth and John Wesley and all these birth, different ones of the Reformation and beyond burst forth. But Abraham says, though, then they all started to denominate and they started to go in their own organization. And we have all the different organizations known to man now. He says they did, they do the same thing in the beginning that Rome did. Now she is going to make daughters to the church. And what does she say? My goodness. And so here's what, ha- here's, here we are right now. Death now is riding. This is his final charger. It's his final steed. And he's figured, I got it. What else? What else? Death. It's what man fears. I'm going to complete my process of eternal separation from God. Because that's his desire. To eternally separate you and I from our king. Trinity of power now starts to ride. But Abraham says soon, he says now he's a false prophet. Now these are just areas, you go through the seals. I can't go, I, I'm, I just don't even have the time to, to even go through that. But he, he goes out as a, a spirit, then he's crowned and he's put a false prophet. He talks about the triple crown. He says then he'll become the incarnate beast. He says he's false, pro, false prophet still. 
But he says that that time will come. He says he transitions from that pope and incarnate, the devil incarnate. He says that that's dime of death. He says now death, death is riding. But, but, this is me, but Satan has underestimated the power of the guardians of the word. Think of it. He thinks that he's like, come on, death is the worst I can give you. <laughs> yeah, well, Brother Branham, he says, he says, that's where devil's power ends, is at death. That's, that's where it ends for him. He's limited. He's got limited power. Mm, everybody's looking for sustainable power that just is like endless. The devil's been wanting that too. I think he's the one driving it. He's like, sustainable power, that's all I want, is an endless supply of power. No. It ends at death. Because after that, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me shall never die. You have no power beyond the grave. But here he's trying. He's hoping. And God says, well, I got one more to combat you now. He says, I'm going to send forth my eagle. (laughs) Glory! He says, I got one. You might culminate all of yours into death. I'm going to do all of that in mine. I'm going to send forth an eagle anointing that's going to have a lion voice. It's going to have a sacrificial ox. It's going to have the intelligence of God. And it's going to fly higher and farther than any other one of these anointings. Because you might place death on your rider. That might be who you are, but it's life. And life abundantly that I'm going to give my people. Amen. Say, that's why this age is an eagle age. Because it's an anointing from God. How can you soar? How can you fly above all of this? Why? Why? Because there's a power. There's a power within your body, within your soul. You can't help but fly. If you were in the ox age, you couldn't help but die. If you were in the lion age, you couldn't help but preach like Peter and give it all you got. But in this day, in this day, you can't help but soar above the, the wicked disaster of death in the land. Glory to God. And death is riding. He says, but I got a seed bride. I'm going to fill him with my power and life. This is combat. This is real combat. Death and life coming together face to face. Amen. I have in my notes. I might even, I'll just go there. You know, when there's pressure on something, you know, if you dive, you go into a, you know, there's certain pressures as you go deeper and all that. But if there's a pressure outside that is stronger than the pressure inside. And I'm no physicist, but I'm pretty certain it will collapse. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to just shrink and crack and fade and break. But if the pressure inside is able to handle the pressure on the outside, it's going to hold that just fine. It's going to stand the pressure. Amen. But there's more inside of you. You're not just standing the pressure. You are going to explode. Because these mortal bodies are going to take on immortality. Because there's a pressure inside of you that's going to press out. And that demon of death, that power of death, will be vanquished. Amen. Hallelujah. Do not limit Do not limit or put a scale on the power that's inside you. God has put a revelation inside of his bride 
of who he is. He has opened his word in this day. There is no limit. Sustainable energy is unending. It's unending. We got sustainable energy. I don't need wind power. I don't need water power. It's God power. It's an eagle anointing in this day that's going to sustain you and I in this wicked generation. Amen. Scripture says, or as it was, it's enough that the gates of hell themselves cannot prevail against it. Amen. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you because he was, what was revealed to him was who Jesus Christ was. And what's revealed to you is the same thing in this day. It's going to stop the very gates of hell. And if you, you say, well, what's gates? What's the big deal on gates here? You know, just gates? No, 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 no. Gates are within the walls were centers, within the gates were centers of commerce, public debate. The gates of the city were public gathering. It was a market. It's the elders, the judges, the king held court, even according to biblical commentators. And so since the, you, you see what happens around the gates, it actually signified, or they conclude that the gates signified the power of the city. Everything that city had or, 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 or was about was at the gates. It, was, it, was, it signified it. So everything that the hell is, is the gates. Every aspect of hell. All the wretchedness of hell, every aspect of spirit, of sin and debauchery of this world that can prevail against you and I, everything is summed up in the gates. And so the scripture says, even the gates of hell, all power of hell will not prevail against your revelation, which is the power inside of you to defeat the day. Amen. Brother Bram says he knows that if the people... Get the revelation of the true church and what she is, what she stands for, and that she can do the greater works. Just start to say, I can. Why? Because it's a power within me. It isn't me trying to conjure it up. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Uh, it's really dodgy time right now. It's a wicked spiritual disaster. Uh, what am I doing? Surely I'm going to respond. No, no, no. You don't even have to worry. It's there. It's in you. And she will say she can do the greater works. She can, is what he says. She'll be an invincible army. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you are an invincible army. If they get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church. That's why this was revealed in this day. So that you have a revelation of the framework of the two spirits in the church. And discern and withstand the antichrist spirit. That's why this was open in this day. So that you and I have the revelation, the discernment to see the antichrist spirit as he's worked his way. As he's rode his way down through the ages and unleashing his death horse on this age. But he's given you and I eagle eyes to see for what he is. He's death. Oh, he says, yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it with true revelation in our lives. The gates of hell cannot prevail, but we will prevail over them. Amen. That's the power inside of you has the ability to prevail over all powers of darkness. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close very quickly here and soon. I told you. Could be the shortest Sunday morning in a long time. You know. Yeah, there's just no wondering, saints. Wonder no longer. Wonder no longer. 
whether you got the power to stand. Just, just throw it out. Say, am I going to be able to do this? You can. You can do this. It's not you, but it's I, him that is in you, able to withstand the wiles of the wicked enemy. Just, just wonder no longer to walk out of these doors and say, I'm able. He's able. He's able. I know my Lord is able. Why? Because he's inside of you, giving you all the power you need to combat the enemy. God isn't going to have a guardian around his word that is incapable of standing against the enemy. My goodness, what kind of God would that be? So that's Satan. He's the one who's brain dead enough not to have recognized that God had, had put in place the right powers in place to combat him. But he's, got, he's like, well, I'll give it a shot, apparently. But God isn't that way. He's like, I already know. I know exactly what I need around my word. So I'm going to give exactly what you need to withstand it. Amen. It's a beautiful thought. The death can't hold me. <laughs> Is there a song like that? Give me the words. That's in one, a different one. I'm not. I'm thinking of death can't hold me, the grave can't stop me. But Ryan, help me out. No, somebody. Well, I'll make a song. Death has no terrors. Exactly for the blood-bought ones. There is a song. The grave can't hold me. Death can't stop me. Something's there. If it doesn't exist, somebody write it. Because the death cannot hold this body down. Now there is a song like that. The grave. And hold his body down. I know that. Amen. Now, you know, just as we turn a little bit of a corner, the secret of your power is this. This is your secret. Okay? And don't, don't let go of your secret. This is why, this is why you can withstand the enemy. But take this away, you're done. Done. And old Samson, he learned this lesson. Poor old Samson went through a difficult time. He had power. <laughs> it was unexplainable. Where did this come from? How are you so strong? You don't even look like you're able to handle it. You're puny. Even curly-headed, it's, I think Brother Branham even said. He's just some little guy. How on earth are you able to stand against the Philistines? I don't know. But it's in there. I got it. It's within me. But Abraham said he didn't even think about it. He's like, oh, the Philistines are there. Jawbone. And off he went. He didn't ponder it. Oh, God. I got a thousand Philistines. Oh, can you please bring the power? No, he didn't do that. It was there. When he needed it. At the moment. Amen. Because he was a consecrated Nazarite. Separated from the world. He had the word inside of him. And nothing. He wasn't letting it go for nothing. And while he did that, he was powerful it was normal to him it was normal to walk around I know you don't think so but yesterday a thousand Philistines found out that I am powerful he didn't strut it I can tell you that well nonetheless neither do we but it's there I'm just telling you, don't wonder. The power is there when the onslaught comes. However, because I wonder, 
Or I'm not wondering, I'm telling you. How can you stand in a workplace and in a school environment that is perverted and wretched and full of debauched and full of this garbage of this day? How do you stand it? How do you come against the wickedness of perverted mouths that are blue as the, as a, as whatever, as my text on my page? <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> how? How do you stand as a daughter? Not being, not being made up, wearing all the fashion and the makeup of the day, wearing garments that are skin tight as ever. How can a son of God be standing, not swiping left and right on his Tinder app? How? How is there respect for a mom on a mom's day? How? In this day. How is there even a mama in this day? How's your daddy? Because of a power within you. But don't let it go. Don't let it go. But Abraham says, there stood Samson, defeated, stripped by a woman. Church, let's see the spiritual, please. Natural, spiritual. Stripped all his powers, was taken from him because he surrendered himself and gave away his secret to a woman. Spiritual. And down through the ages. That's what these horse riders and these powers were stripping away. The, the word of God. And so it was it weakening to where he gave his secret away to a woman. He says now as soon as we get big enough. That we could get off the corner and get off a little mission somewhere. He's talking about a church. But Abraham says, let's get big enough. Get off this little corner. Off a little mission somewhere. And try to build a big church. Well, got to be bigger than the next fellow. Well, we want to outshine the next church. He says, that's not your purpose. That's not why you're here. God already had that. He said he didn't raise you up for that. He raised you as an example that he might place his power in you. That's what he raised you for, to show forth his glory. And so the word, Brother Abraham says, the word of God was a secret to him. Brother Abraham said that it was a Nazarite gift that he should never tell nobody that. But he got the lure of a woman. Careful, saints, that you don't get the lure of the world. The lure. Well, we need to change a little bit here. Don't. Don't. It's a little bit. And Brother Brown talks about how she tied up. What's your secret, Samson? What makes you this way? And she, he gave him some, well, you got to tie him with some cords. And Brother Brown talks about it. He says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he broke forth. He said, and God sent out a Luther. And then it happened again. Happened three times. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he broke forth. God sent him a Wesley. This is the church. Death started to rise. Death started to ride, I should say. And our protection is here. Amen? And he said, he said, oh, that old mother Jezebel has done. The Protestant church has cropped in. And they're compromising on a few little doctrines they have there so they can have unity over the world. And the first place the church got her locks bobbed off was at Nicaea. And it started. And he said the locks got bobbed off. That's her secret. Is the word. If ye abide in me, my word in you. Ask what you will, it shall be done. That's where they lose their secret, he says. Now look at them. It defeated just like Samson was. And he said he goes, it's his spiritual blindness. And this is why God is so fervent to protect his word. 
Because he says, I will have a spotless, blameless bride that will receive my word and be pure. Not taking all these little things and giving off and compromising in different areas. And it was just the chopping of his locks of hair, which was where his strength lied. Woo you with the world and entice you with cares of life. Maybe just formality. Maybe tradition. Well, we just come to church. But it's all trying to get at your strength. Which is the word. Our worship. All of these areas that can bring down. And just get, get, put in just a little bit. That can contaminate and deform the life that is inside of you. But you know. Brother Bram says Samson was sitting there in jail. Little by little. The covenant was starting to grow. I love this part of the story. My goodness. His muscles were still there. His framework was still there. But the power was not there no more. Okay? But here, the power was missing. He said, Brother Bram says, Here's, there's only hope that I have this morning to wind up my message. He says is this. While Samson was bound, a new shock of hair growed out. Oh my, Satan thought I've ground out. I've released my power of death. I'm riding this pale horse and I'm going to tramp down the little bits left. And all that Martin Luther and all that Wesley and all that it all just went and denominated. He said, ah, <laughs> I've crushed it. See, you can't even last a little bit. You thought you could break free from the black horse that I sent out but I just pounded you with my hoof, hooves of death and there's nothing left. You've denominated. You You've organized, and I've done exactly what I intended to do. But ill did he know, Samson's locks were still growing. And it might look, it might have looked a little dark, but then God said, I'm sending forth my eagle. I'm sending forth a word in that day. And that's where we in this day can just need to reach back to the word of God, to that seven sealed message. And we can reach back and feel, oh, there's my power. It's in which it's within him. And he got guided out. Samson took down more in the end than he did all the way through. This little bride will take more of the enemy down in this age. In this age, as we surrender, as we sacrifice our life, he laid it all down. But Abraham says that's what Samson had to do, was he had to let him go, let himself die out to everything. And then, then he conquered. Oh my. Can you imagine him there just grinding it out? My, he had some time to think about it. What have I done? Maybe you're grinding it out right now. Oh, I'm just, you're, you're maybe in a weakened state. Just Samson was in a weakened state, but he was sitting there grinding a lot of time to think. Maybe you're thinking this morning, maybe you've been pondering over the last several months and weeks, wherever you are, but maybe you're at the grinding post. And you're just grinding, oh God. Well, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I let my secret out. I let it go. Your word is my protection. But there it started to grow. As time went on, the word started to manifest. His heart was pure before God. And he just said, Lord, I lay it all down. I'm going to surrender it all. And he just needed to reach back. Oh, oh God. Yes. Oh my goodness. The word I'm becoming flesh. There is a power inside of me. I am able to conquer the enemy. He was just grinding out. Then he knew his time was coming. He was going to be led out. And he was going to be put to sport. 
oh my, Satan thinks he's making sport of you. Yeah, I just pray to you out there, and I'm sure all your people at your jobs and whatever. <laughs> See that lady? She look wears a skirt or something like that. She has like long hair. She doesn't even wear makeup. Who is this person? Do they know where they live these days? Have they not been to the, the recent cosmetic shop? He's sporting you. You mean, you mean, you haven't been in a relationship with a girl? You're like 20. Seriously? He's sporting you. Young men. Samson just reached back. He knew. Scripture said. I have the scripture. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. His memory just started to go back. I've been sent to deliver Israel. God put inside of me the power needed if I just hold to his word. And so if we can just get back to this, saints of God, there's where the power lies. Just reach back now and grab a hold of the word of God for our day. I will tell you, the walls, the temple, and the enemy is going to fall at your feet. He said that he goes, but Samson was blind. But here's what Samson recognized. That the church has never come to yet. And I underlined that yet. I said, Brother Branham, if I could shout it out to you right now. I know you were preaching that then. And I don't know which crowd of audience you were shouting that to or preaching that to. But I just want to tell you, this church... This body of people, we have caught the revelation of our day. Oh, I would say not yet now. This church has never come to yet. I say we've come to it. We're coming to Brother Bram. He knew there was a possibility of coming back again. That's what we are. We're that possibility of coming back again. We're that Satan's riding his horse of death saying, what a second. Where are these people coming from? I thought I crushed them. You did it. You underestimated the power of the anointing of the word of this day, Satan. Because there was a possibility. As Samson, his hair started to grow. That possibility still stands for you and I. They don't seem to catch it. There's a possibility it doesn't come through. You can shout a little more. Pat your hands a little more. Dance a little more. No, no, that isn't it. It's back to the word. There's a possibility of coming back to getting the word on the inside again. That's what the eagle anointing was for. To bring a word back to a people. So that the power inside of you and I would be ready and able to combat the disaster of this day. Amen. Amen. Wonder no longer. Musicians, when you come. Wonder no longer. The power lies within you. I almost titled the service. <laughs> I told Brother Daniel. He said, what's your title? I said, I'm just going to title it The Power Within. I said, but I almost wanted to call it The Beast Within. The power inside. That anointing. Guardians of the word. Is wrapped up and placed inside of you and I. That's what's inside of us. What? To combat the wickedness, the deformity uh, that those Satan has tried from the dawn of the ages as he rode out his powers, as he launched out his horses. Oh my goodness, I just, I'm just, I just love it. I just love the fact that he planned and he tried to figure out what he could do, but still, the first Eve might have fallen, but this Eve will never fall. 
Hallelujah. He said, if you can feel back, Sam's could, could feel the seven locks and know it was a covenant because he was born a Nazarite. How much more ought a man that's born of the Holy Spirit feel the power of God and know it's the covenant to slay the enemy before you? Reach back, take a hold of the word of God and recognize you have been born of the Holy Spirit and know it's your covenant. It's your covenant. It's no less than what Samson got. No less than what he received. You are born to deliver the Israelites out of the Philistines. You are born. This bride is born to defeat the enemy in this day. You are born to conquer the death horse rider. You are born to stand victorious. That's your covenant. That's your promise. Receive it this morning. The power lies within you. You say, Brother Michael, that just sounds like a motivational service. It's not. It's the Word of God. And if I can't get excited at a motivational service, someone's singing all wonderful things about, you know, if you do this and this, this is strength. And this and this, this is motivational. How to have patience. And how to have this. No, this is the motivational speaking that you need. Because this puts in you, this puts in you the power to stand. Amen. Glory to His name. Amen. Amen. We just give Him praise. We can stand and give Him praise this morning. Give the God, Lord, our all our glory. Let death ride. Let death ride. But life has also been issued out. Amen. What a combat. Let's just sing. I wanted, I have a song. I wanted to sing a song. We'll just sing as they come. Let's just sing Overcoming Power is what we have today. Amen. I know it's an older song. Oh, but you can sing it maybe with a little bit different this morning. Overcoming Power is what we have today to keep the devil away. He's been riding. He's been riding. But you have the power it needs to overcome that enemy. Amen. Go. And ultimately, that's the goal. Meet our Lord. Let's sing that. And we're going to sing a little song. We saved the special to the end. Because, mercy, because I felt to do that. Let's sing this. Amen. Overcoming power. You sing it with me. Yeah, but if you stand, it makes me feel nervous sometimes. No, I'm just kidding.
I just, this song I've been saying it for many, many years. Many of us have sang this. It's a song that the Precious LaFontaine family wrote. And I was just listening to it. I just came across it while I was studying. I said, oh man, that's just everything, everything in my heart. And so it was spontaneity at its finest. Appreciate it. We're going to sing to the glory of God. Amen. May this just sum up the service this morning. Babylon teaching me her pleasure driven ways. Have some fun, forget about tomorrow, live today. Her music and her fashion, her Hollywood and passion. It stimulates the flesh just like wine. And all the while she pulls us all away from everything divine. But I have heard a voice calling me out of Mystery reaches further to the soul. Put religion on and never let the spirit have control. She stands against revival, the truth within the Bible, binding hungry hearts with chains of fear. Somehow makes confusion of the world that God has made so clear. Well, but I have heard a voice calling me out of Babylon. Amen. To a higher place, there's a mountain I can live upon.
false writers are trying to take you in into a cage of every filthy bird. But God said, no, sir. I've got a power that's much greater. It's going to be placed inside of my bride. I'm going to send forth an eagle anointing that death has no way. Death has no terror for the blood-bought one. That's why I can sing this song. But I have heard a voice calling me out of Babylon. But I have heard a voice calling me out of Babylon. Hallelujah. To a higher place. There's a mountain high in the as we close. I just love that song. My God, we're going to have to sing it again and again, I'm sure. But I want to sing, Yet Not I. Yet Not I. You can stay and sing with me. Sorry. My apologies. Sound. Thank you. Can you bring that up, Brother Joe? What grace, what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more heaven now to give. No more for heaven. He is my joy, my righteousness, my freedom. My steadfast love. What depth of word and boundless peace. Let's sing that together. Amen. Sing it with all our hearts. What gift. Thank you. Yes. Is Jesus my redeemer. Let's sing this with power this morning. There is no more. No more.
That's why we preach. That's why we get in the word. That's why we read the message. Because we go through the battle. But I tell you, the power in you is greater. Greater than anything that he's going to send to you. If you just receive that in your heart and hold on to it, yet not I, but Christ in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we must come. Thank you. It's hard. We've got the power. Last song. In the name of Jesus. We'll be
scripture says the power to loose, the power to bind. Yes, sir. Bind that demon. Man, we do that, Brother Milk, and we bind the demon that's trying to hold back your motor skills. Bind him. And we believe and we loose you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's this word. That's the power that God has given us. Amen. I believe it to my dying day, Brother Milko. Brother Ron, Sister Ella, you name it. Whatever your need is, bind that devil in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, it's been a wonderful time in your presence, Lord. Thank you for your word that fortifies us, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you guard your word so intensely. Satan, Lord, cannot get at the word of God. And you have issued forth, Lord, the power we need to combat the enemy in every situation. For your prophet said it will defeat him every time. Anywhere, any place, Lord. That's your word. So we're standing on it this morning. Whatever, Lord, the people have in their heart. Maybe there's a need there. or Lord, they just need encouragement this morning. We're going to go out tomorrow. Even this afternoon, we're going to leave these doors. And indeed, there's going to be a, a, a horde of enemy back at us, Lord. For Satan hates the word of God. He hates a church that preaches and lives the word of God. And so, Lord, it's not no surprise to us that he's coming after your people. It's no surprise surprise to us that we're that we're in the heat of the battle but death is road but it's got a limit it's limited at the jordan river he can do nothing lord jesus to us because inside of us is a power that can be quickened by the word that brings us into a new life oh god a seed of incorruptibleness so i i commit our people to you may you protect them may you keep them in your hand oh god this week lord overshadow give them words of wisdom to their co-workers give them words of discernment, Lord, to their schoolmates, Lord, or to their family. Whatever we need, Lord, and our worship, we are a body. And so we worship you. We give you glory, Lord, as a body of people, not as, Lord, a, some overseed sort of system of the ages, Lord, but we are a unified body of Christ giving you all the honor and worship that you deserve. So we commit this day Bless our precious mothers. Lord, is this, Lord, we many would maybe go and have a little dinner or something like that. May it be a precious time. May, Lord, our, our mothers be honored. We love them, Lord. Lord, for many of us, they've nurtured our children and we've been nurtured by a mother. And so, Lord, we give you thanksgiving for them, Lord. It's an attribute of you that they're expressing. So, Lord, they may be in the, in maybe sometimes they're ironing a shirt or doing some mundane task, they would say, but they're actually expressing you through that, Lord. They're manifesting Christ to their little ones, Lord. May, may that really take a heart into a mama today, we pray. So we commit our little body of people into your hands in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Have a wonderful trip back home. Lord be with you. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We've got the power. Amen. In the name.